This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. By the book on BFM 89.9. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Buy the Book. I'm Lee Chui Lin, and with me is my fellow, let's just call it what it is, book buying enthusiast, Shamila Ganesan. <laughs> and also always on a hunt for a good bargain. <laughs> and that is the theme of today's show. Um, because joining us is Rachel Ang, who is the owner of Books and Bobs, who sell secondhand books and do a lot more. We're going to be talking about that shortly. Uh, Rachel, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So before we get into the business, let's start at the start. Where did your love of reading and books come from? What kind of reader are you? Well, I started reading um, from a very young age. My parents, we didn't have a lot of money, so they didn't buy me a lot of books. But I remember enjoying reading the school magazines, the kind of magazines that distribute through the schools. And I would look forward to every issue. And every time I got it, I would sit at a corner and read it, you know, from front, front to back. So that is one of my favourite childhood memory. And I would also um, read the books from the library. So that's how I, I think, uh, you know, started falling in love with readings. I, basically, I love stories. You know, I love stories and I enjoy reading the, the, the stories. And in fact, I, I started this um, audiobook experience from a very young age. Um, so when I was about eight to nine years old, I remember uh, getting gifted uh, a cassette tape. <laughs> so that's how old oh. I was. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, that betrayed my age. But I remember receiving a cassette tape. Uh, inside is actually a story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And it, there was this lady uh, basically telling the story. And growing up, you know, my parents didn't read me bedtime stories. They were too busy. And this was my bedtime and daytime story. I would listen to it front to back. I mean, side A, you finish, and then you flip over <laughs> and you listen to it. And there were uh, the stories, and then there were pause, and there were songs. And, you know, the songs uh, of the, the dwarves coming home, and, you know, and then they have the, the girls singing. And I loved that, absolutely loved that. I want that. this audiobook now. It has yeah. songs. <laughs> yes, I know. I, I regretted not keeping and of course I was small I don't know what happened to that tape but it, it was a very fond memory of, of me and you know I think that's why um, I also enjoy audiobooks now Did you frequently buy secondhand books when you were young? Uh, no, no When I was young I only read books that I can get from the school libraries We didn't have a lot of money so I only read what I can get my hands on and borrow a lot from my classmates as well so we get a book, someone buy a book, and the whole class would take turn and we would line up waiting for our turn. Which brings us to Books and Bobs, because you started it on Facebook in 2016, and that's mm -hmm. after quitting your job, which sounds like quite a journey. Uh, talk us through that. How did the whole thing come together? I didn't quit the job to start the business. Um, I was actually out of a job for almost two years by the time I started Books and Bobs. So I was going through a very dark period in my life and I was battling depression. So I was also having problem finding a job. At that time, I was, I think, close to 40. And at that age, as a woman, I was really struggling to get a job. I couldn't even get any interviews. And so I, I actually plunge into uh, my reading. You know, I find a lot of comfort in reading. I would read from day to night. And um, obviously, I need more books to feed um, this uh, hobby of mine. Um, so I started selling my own books to raise more money. And um, 
buying secondhand books was a way to keep my hobby going because you know it's more affordable than new books. So that's how I started uh, getting into secondhand books, and and that's how I realized that there is a big demand, there's a big market for secondhand books. Because um, I would always have to fight with the other readers, you know, get, to get our hands onto the, you know, the titles that we want. So there was one day I was sitting and I thought, I really need some income. I couldn't jo- get a job. What do I do? And I looked at the books and thought, you know what? There is a market. I can do this. And that's how I started Books and Bobs. So it's been seven years since then. How has Books and Bobs grown and developed in that time? Um, we have grown quite a lot, if I may say so. Um, it started as uh, a, a one-woman business. I, I basically, you know, put together some of my old books and, you know, bought a few books. We have only like 50 when we first started. And today we have uh, over 27,000 books in our library, in our collection, and it's counting. We, we add new books, hundreds of books every week. And um, we have now um, eight employees under Books and Bobs. And we even develop our own software to support the the import of the books to the website. And we have developed a lot of things. Our website is, I mean, we have a website now. Those days I was just selling on Facebook. And our website is very customised and uh, we've got a lot of, I would say, um, additional features on our website. So uh, that's that's a long way (laughs) since we started. Was it an organic growth? I mean, at what point, how do you go from selling it on your own to starting to recognise that, oh, there, there's a real business here. This, mm-hmm. this is something that I can do to support me. Yes, it's pretty organic. Um, like I said, because of my own habit, I was um, I was buying a lot of, I was constantly looking for secondhand books and I was going through uh, the, the Facebook groups and uh, marketplaces looking for titles that I want. And because I see a lot of people looking and I have a lot of friends are also buying secondhand books. So that's where the idea comes from. And I was talking to some friends and they were very encouraging. They say, you know what, Rachel, you really should start this because I would buy from you. And um, I started curating books that I like, um, books that I know my friends would like. And you know, it's a, as a form of service to myself and um, to my friends. My husband always teased me that this is an excuse for me to keep buying books. <laughs> I mean, in a way, it is. It is. So now he can't stop me. <laughs> so overall, do you think that there is an openness to buying uh, secondhand books here among Malaysians? And is there a difference between doing that in person when you can sort of inspect the books yourself um, versus buying it online? Oh, yes. I mean, uh, there is definitely an openness to that. Um, you know, we, we've been uh, doing this for seven years uh, and, you know, our business has grown so much. And in fact, I see that the secondhand book market is actually growing. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people actually turning to secondhand books for various reasons. First of all, it's very affordable. Secondly, it's more eco-friendly as well. You know, I personally doing it because I love the books so much that I don't want to see them getting pulped. You know, they, they have so much lives in them. They can be read many times by many people. And um, 
buying books online and and uh, at the physical store, obviously there is a big difference as well. You know, when you go to a uh, a store, when you're actually holding the book, you you can you know the the joy of holding the book in your hands. I mean, you you too will understand what I'm talking about. Mm. We're all book lovers here. You know, to to hold that, to look at the actual pages, and of course also to inspect the the condition that is important to many uh, readers. Um, but when you're buying books online, um, there is also the benefit of you can actually sit at the comfort of your home and buy books, even though the book might be stored like, you know, hundreds of km away from you. Um, we, are, you know, living in Klang Valley, I find that we often don't realise how lucky we are to be living in, in, in the capital where, you know, there's so many bookstores, so many books within, you know, arm's length. We can just reach out and, and we can buy a lot of books. But I have a lot of customers from other states, customers from Sabah, Sarawak. And they were telling me that, Rachel, I'm so thankful that you're doing this. I can't find any books from the bookstore that's nearest to me and that's two hours away. And so that really feed to my uh, mission that I felt like I am actually doing something for a lot of the readers in Malaysia that are so, um, I would say, not depressed, but, you know, they just don't have this uh, access to, to books. And of course, um, having it online as well, we have the benefit of cataloging them. And so they are searchable by uh, author and titles. So that's also the added benefits to buying online. We're speaking today with Rachel Ang, who is the owner of Books and Bobs, an online secondhand bookstore. Uh, let us know, do you like buying books secondhand and what do you look for when you do? You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio, and of course you can write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. Blockbusters for me. BFM 89.9. The Business Station. Hello, everybody. You are listening to Buy the Book with Lynn and Sharmila, and we have a guest in the studio today, Rachel Ang, the owner of Books and Bobs, a online secondhand bookstore, which is what we're discussing today. So, of course, Rachel, people can also sell their books to you, right? Not yes. just buy. And uh, what is the process of doing that? What kind of information do you ask for? Usually, we'll try to make it easy for everyone. So, we'll ask for photos of the books. Um, we deal in only um, large quantity. We buy in bulk because we pay wholesale prices. So, we have a minimum requirement of 50 books. Anything below that, we take it as uh, uh, book donations. So, when someone have more than 50 books, they can take photos of the books. We have guidelines all uh, that listing down the details on our website. Um, there's a link at the bottom of our website that says, sell us your books. And on that, when you click the link, it will bring you to a page that shows all the uh, guidelines. Um, basically, we just want, uh, we take a, a wide range of books and uh, the condition, we are actually quite flexible. We need the books to be readable. All the pages are complete, um, are still in a reasonable condition, right? Uh, not too tattered, not, not, no loose spines and stuff, and also not mouldy very important because that's a health hazard and another very important factor is that we don't take in any counterfeit books absolutely no counterfeit when we receive any sometimes you know it, there's a couple of copies that come together in a bunch um, we will discard that um, so those are the requirements 
So you mentioned counterfeit books, but are there also other types of books that you don't accept? Yes. Um, we are not taking cookbooks, we're not taking travel books, and we're not taking textbooks and activity books. Because a lot of these books, are, first of all, travel books are pretty much out, outdated nowadays, especially after the MCO. You know, and um, cookbook as well. Um, a lot of people just go online and look for, there's a lot of online resources. So we find that uh, these books are really not selling very well. And textbooks as well, they get outdated and certainly not the activity books as well. Children's books, we are not buying a lot at the moment because our main audience are the adult readers themselves um, but we are taking them as donation because uh, with that we can actually um, try to sell them to raise funds so these are the books that we are looking for Now you also work with a charity partner Rumah mm-hmm. Kids mm-hmm. Uh, talk to us about that Okay um, I've always uh, believed in giving back to the society and especially during MCO um, our business were growing Um, as a result of people sucking at home and, uh, you know, turning to readings. And um, I had some kind of a survival guilt, you know, as when everyone was uh, struggling, we were growing and we were doing well. And, you know, so I actually um, contributed a lot, um, you know, donated a lot of, uh, whether in cash or in other form of donations. And um, I... In in the end, I thought I want to make this something formal. You know, it's not just as and when I see any cases, I'll just contribute. But something formal so that we can also get everyone to join us, you know, to help the cause that we want to support. And Rumah Kids was actually introduced to me by a friend. And, you know, I I checked them and the people that I checked with, I found that they are a reliable, you know, they, they are reputable children's home. So I contacted, I reached out to them and said, hey, I, you know, I want to support you guys on the long run. So what we do is that books that we received uh, as donation, um, when we sell them, we share a part of the profit with Rumah Kids. So every month I would send the, the cash to them to help them pay rentals and uh, Because a lot of people ask me, if if I may go on, a lot of people ask me, uh, why are you not giving the books? You know, when people give us the books, are these books going to Rumah Kids? I want to donate to the children. The thing is that a lot of people don't realise um, a lot of charity organisations like, uh, you know, children's shelter like this, they actually need more uh, financial aid to pay the salary, rentals and other necessities other than f- uh, food and books. I've seen many of them. They have tons of books mm. donated by the public, but they do not have the money to pay the rent, uh, the salary and rental. So that is why I wanted to raise funds rather than sending them books. You spoke earlier about the book conditions that you accept, but then you go on to categorize uh, each book into five categories, I think. Brand yeah. new, like new, very good, good and acceptable. Yes. How do you define each? And um, I'm curious whether you found readers who are willing to buy from the, the lower end, you know, the good and acceptable <laughs> categories. Yeah. Yes, we do. because we are selling online, we have to give uh, the buyers uh, an idea what kind of condition they are getting. And uh, also, I understand that there are people that have very strict demand, you know, a standard for the books that they buy. 
So the categories, the conditions basically is to guide, uh, provide a kind of idea um, what is the condition. Um, so brand new, obviously, are the books that uh, we, we receive brand new from the book distributors. And like new is something that looks like a new book, but is secondhand. There might be some shelfware, but it looks like new. And then we have very good, which is one tier down from, and then go, and then we have good and acceptable. Good and acceptable, you will find some um, foxing, you know, some kind of uh, book tanning. And there might even be some writings. There's a lot of readers that actually don't mind the condition of the book so much as long as the pages are complete. I've met many um, sellers, our own customers, where we would actually point out that, look, this page has got this and it's very tan, but the pages are complete. And they often tell me that, you know what, Richard, I don't mind as long as I get the content is the important part. The pages, they are just pages, they're a piece of paper. I don't mind that as long as I can read the information, the content is complete, I will buy them. And I have also met um, buyers, readers that told me they love the smell of old books. They mm. say the older <laughs> it is, the better. They actually hunt for old, very tan books because they like the look of it, they like vintage books and they like the smell of it. So... You know, to each their own. <laughs> I think I like the covers of older books because you don't get that style of yes, illustration anymore. Yes. I agree with you. I Sometimes when I see some old books that come in, especially oh, uh, books from like the 80s, um, 70s, I like the covers. I would collect them even though, <laughs> even though I'm not reading them. I have had books like that. But just just because of the art. Yes. I yeah. love the look of that. The art, um, the typeface, the, yes, there's a lot yes, to enjoy. Yes, yeah. you, could, you could just tell this is from, you mm-hmm. know, ages ago. And, and there are also uh, readers buying this. There are many of them actually buying old vintage, um, like Enid Blyton. And they, like Steve, he would say, oh, this is the exact copy that I have when I was a kid. <laughs> you know, the same uh, uh, type and the same cover. So there are people actually collecting this. How much do uh, trends or like reading trends factor into what you keep in stock? And is that a challenge to make sure that you have books that match up to what people might be looking for? Okay. Um, the book reading trend um, or the trend, the trending books doesn't affect um, what we stock, but it affects how we price our books. Because as secondhand books, it's very hard for us to hunt for specific titles or specific books by uh, specific authors. So the when a book is trending, obviously then if the the price we will price them higher, you know. Um, but we it's quite impossible for us to go out hunting for books that are currently trending because you know it, it relies on people when they you know get get uh, let go of their their own books. So what we do is that um, in the beginning, I, I curate my books to you know the kind, the specific type that I like. Um, later on, I realised that I really can't judge a book whether it's good or not by my own standard. There's a lot of people looking for books that I wouldn't read. A, book, a lot of people were also looking for books that I thought... Anyone wants to read these kind of books? You know, I've, I've so, so many obscure titles, uh, you know, weird kind of... Like, I've, I've had someone um, who ordered this book, a Qigong book, that we were selling for only 1990. Nothing really special. It's quite old as well. And someone bought it all the way um, from US and paid 200 over ringgit for shipping for that book. I didn't ask him why, but, you know, it's, I, I learned that 
lots of people are looking for lots of different variety of books. So our way of stocking our books is that as widely as possible, we want to serve the wide public. Having said that, are there types of books, I'm thinking fiction, non-fiction, or specific mm. genres that have been bestsellers for you? Yes, yes. Fiction and non-fiction is more or less 50-50, slightly more on fiction side. For fiction, uh, the categories that are bestsellers are uh, thrillers, romance, and fantasy, uh, sci-fi. So these are the three main categories that are very popular. For non-fiction, we sell a lot of um, self-help biographies. So bio and memoirs and autobiography all grouped together. And then a lot of business books as well. So these are the, the bestsellers um, in Books and Bobs. So you said earlier that more people turned to reading during the lockdowns. Mm -hmm. Did you see that sustain past the opening up? Are people still reading more? Um, yes and no. Um, when MCO was over, um, we see a very obvious trend of people not reading. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know everyone started going out. And obviously, there was, uh, the business was deeping. We, but we also see that many of those that um, you know, started buying um, with us actually continue their reading, reading habits. And uh, I have also spoken to some who said that they found us during MCO and they continue to buy from us. So I think once the MCO have, have lifted, you know, people were eager to go out. And after that, there are some that get back into their busy schedule and, you know, going out, travelling and whatnot. So they, they kind of fell off the, the reading habit. But we have found many um, new readers that continue to stay with us. And obviously, you know, we will continue to look for more readers. Um, and so we see actually uh, the, the trend are going up again after, after December uh, 2022. So uh, more people are starting to read again. But if the, the, the revenue is anything to, <laughs> to go by, yeah, people are reading again. Hmm. So you started off on social media um, yes. and the thing is social media is also now playing a huge role in books and reading and book selling. I'm thinking, you know, Bookstagram, BookTok, it's, it's a big community. Mm -hmm. How do you use social media today to keep people interested? We use social media to mainly engage, uh, keep our followers engaged. Um, we don't want to just use it as a way of selling or marketing our books to our followers. Um, I believe a lot in um, educating our readers as well, our, our followers. It's not just about, hey, we have this book, you know, um, buy. But we also um, share a lot of uh, information ed or education uh, purposes or even sometimes sharing news about books, book adaptations, um, sharing, uh, you know, uh, some terms, uh, what is foxing, what is tanning. A lot of people might not understand that. So we do a lot of this and obviously, you know, they share a lot of memes and jokes as well, which, you know, uh, the book, <laughs> book fanatics like myself, you know, we, we, we really <laughs> uh, resonate with jokes like that. And... Um, so that's how we're using social media. And obviously, uh, another side of social media is also for us to share um, news and information about Books and Bobs uh, itself. Like when we're having uh, the launching of our physical books, we also use uh, the social media to develop uh, some kind of uh, interest and drive the interest a week before the launch. That's how we are using social media at the, at the moment. You've had quite a journey in the last seven years. Yes. What's next for Books and Bobs? 
we have grown a lot since I have first started. So moving forward, there's two things that I'm, I'm looking at. First of all, uh, I'm looking for funds to uh, continue our growth. I'd like to scale the business. We've moved from uh, fully online bookstores to uh, opening our first physical bookstore last, last year, December. So I'd like to scale and continue our multi-channel distributions, which is online and offline. And secondly, we are also looking for corporate partners, if I can find any. You know, someone who wants to uh, maybe uh, start some kind of CSR project with Books and Bobs, you know, we can help them um, uh, collaborate in some ways. Exciting times ahead. Uh, Rachel, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We've been speaking with Rachel Ang, the owner of Books and Bobs, uh, which is a secondhand bookstore, both online and offline, multiple distribution channels, as Rachel (laughs) said. Um, Let us know, do you enjoy buying secondhand books? Uh, What is it that you enjoy about it? You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio and write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. brings us to footnotes. So uh, fittingly, perhaps, but kind of sadly, maybe even ironically, for a show that has been about book selling and book buying, we are closing off with news that broke last week. Uh, something that we covered actually on our other show, the Evening Edition. But Essentially, Book Depository, which is one of the largest and most popular international online bookstores, has announced that they will be closing down on the 26th of April. Now, to be fair, people can continue to place orders up until noon on that day, and they will continue to fulfil those orders and offer support until the 23rd of June. So I don't think I can downplay how... Uh, how much of an outpouring of sadness and shock this news has elicited. Because initially, I thought that perhaps it was me and a couple of others I knew who use Book Depository. But in the days since the announcement came out, I've just been seeing social media flooded with people saying, I'm so sad that it's shutting down. Where am I going to buy my books now? Uh, Even when we did the show in the evening edition, we had so many listeners um, messaging in to talk about how much they relied on Book Depository, which I think tells you how important the platform was to readers. And I think it's worth talking about the, the beginnings, right? Because it was founded in 2004 by Stuart Felton and Andrew Crawford. And it was meant to essentially make books more available to people everywhere in the world and to create a model that was different from the expensive shipping fees that you would usually have to pay to be able to get books from different parts of the world. So there was no shipping fee um, and that's how they made their name. But then pretty soon, so 2004 is when they started. In 2011, Amazon actually acquired Book Depository. Um, I remember how I found out that they had. I didn't realize that they were owned by Amazon for a good one or two years before I learned about it. And I remember feeling slightly betrayed because here was a sort of what I thought uh, a more indie weird platform, in fact, now being owned by this big book giant. So this is the thing, right? It's the juxtaposition of what we think of Book Depository and how people think of Amazon. Because I 
look, I am not a super big fan of buying from conglomerates. I know that to some degree, it's just part and parcel of modern life. But with Amazon in particular, I've always felt a, a specific reluctance because of a variety of things that you can read on the news. And so... Because of that, despite the fact that they are ubiquitous and in some ways they've really cornered the market, uh, especially when it comes to ebooks, I, I did kind of resist buying from them. And by the time I kind of cottoned on to Book Depository, they were already, I think, known for being part of Amazon. But I think it's such a pity because we, we wax lyrical here on the show about the wonder of independent bookstores. And that applies online as well. And particularly in the case of Book Depository, so many people used it to be able to have access to books that they wouldn't otherwise have. The other day when we spoke about it, people discussed things like graphic novels or more obscure titles, things that were published in other markets that never made it to us. And so that is what a good indie bookseller should do. They should celebrate reading and, of course, also give you access to things that you would not otherwise be able to get. So knowing that that was initially the case, that it was then kind of bought over by a large company in pursuit of, well, perhaps a monopoly of sorts, and that they are now getting closed down by said large company is kind of a painful thing to, to contend with, particularly since Amazon is going to continue selling books. Yeah, no, I, I think it almost feels like the bitter end point to something like this. Um, initially, when they were bought over, there were promises that nothing was going to change, that book depository would continue to run as it always had. And, and largely, that's been true. Um, you know, prices didn't go up. You still didn't have to pay shipping fees. And the price really is a big deal for people like readers in Malaysia who are generally used to having to pay quite a fair amount for books with book depository you could actually afford you could actually afford more books than you might be able to walking into a bookstore here which of course is is a whole different topic um but yeah you're right i think this has made me feel a little bit sour about Amazon or more sour than perhaps some people already were. I am very open about the fact that I buy um, ebooks off of Amazon. I don't buy physical books off of them because the shipping usually for me is not worth the amount that I would pay. But yeah, I agree with you that this kind of feels a little bit like the last of an increasingly rare breed of people or people platforms that thought of book selling in a very specific way. So with that said then, I think the, the question then becomes what now? So um, we when we heard from a lot of people the other day, or rather last week, that they plan to buy as much as they possibly can from Book Depository until they close down, but that after that, they're going to continue looking for alternatives. And to me, I think, or rather I wish, that this gap in the market could be filled. Obviously, free shipping is a big one, um, the ability to do that. But I think just having a really rich online cataloging system that allows people to filter and properly look for things, just having a large catalogue, all of these things, as we established, in fact, in our interview with Rachel, are important. You want to give people as much information as they can possibly have to find the books that they want and to know what edition or condition of the book that they're buying. And my hope is that someone else does that. I, I hoped that Book Depository could continue to do it. But failing which, um, knowing that someone else will fill the gap would be great. Um, I absolutely hope somebody else comes up. Um, it could... 
it could take multiple forms, right? It doesn't have to take on the same business model that Book Depository was running on. Uh, perhaps there could be region-specific or country-specific networks of bookstores that people can actually buy books from. I'd love to see something like that. In general, I think what this whole episode has gotten me thinking about, and increasingly I think I believe in, is that choice is important. I think it's important to be able to have the choice as readers to decide um, do I want to buy from a big chain bookstore? Do I feel like supporting a local indie bookseller instead? Is this something that I might prefer to have in an e-reader? Is this something that I would maybe want to have a physical copy? And increasingly, it feels like that choice is being narrowed for readers, um, particularly in smaller markets like Malaysia. And I think, actually, as the more I talk about it, the more I realize I'm feeling quite angry about the whole thing. So we've been talking today about Book Depository being shut down by Amazon after Amazon purchased them in the first place. And uh, we'd like to hear from you. What are your thoughts on this? How are you going to reckon with the increasing lack of choice when it comes to buying affordable books? Um, Let us know. That number to WhatsApp is 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio and write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.